Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I might have played a bad game and like we, we might lose a few in a row and I might say to myself, it's okay, we've still a chance to win the flag at the end of the year. So I guess the positive, the potential positives get me through. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. I want to give a big shout out to everyone who's sharing the show, who's talking about it, who's leaving comments, reviews, tagging people, spreading the love. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen in to our show. Without your support and input, we just wouldn't know what to do without you. So thank you very much. Well, today's guest doesn't need a massive introduction because you probably know who he is. Today, I'm literally mind blown how I even got this guy on the show. His name's Luke Shuey. He's the 2020 captain for the West Coast Eagles if you're an AFL supporter. He was the recipient of the Norm Smith Medal in 2018 after his club, West Coast Eagles, won the premiership. He's won a number of best and fairest awards for his club, most recently 2019. But outside of all of the on-field achievements and all of the accolades in his life, Luke Shuey is probably one of the most humblest human beings I have ever met. I cannot wait to get him on the show because he's going to be able to share a lot of his wisdoms, how he keeps so focused, how he keeps so positive, how his mindset is so strong. I'm very inspired by the guy himself. Wherever you are right now or whatever you're doing, Focus in. This next episode is going to be a cracker, but let's get Luke Shuey on the show. Welcome, Luke Shuey, mate. Thank you very much for coming on the show with us today. I'm very grateful to steal you away from your dad life and your professional football life. Mate, thanks for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. It's good to speak to you again. What's been happening? We got our last preseason game, the Savo, so a bit of a practice. Match. So my wife let me sleep in this morning. So I was up at 7.30. Little fella was up at 5.30. So she got up with him and then just been cruising around, man. Uh, kicked her out of the house so I could do this. And yeah, no, nah, not, not a lot, mate. Just just cruising. Well, mate, big news for you this year. You're a captain, are you? I am, mate. Yeah, no, very, very fortunate. So Shannon Hearn, uh, who's been captain for five years, um, done a wonderful job, um, decided to step away from the role a couple of months ago. And yeah, no, very privileged, mate, to step into the position and be able to take over for this season. So, haven't had to do a whole lot just yet, but um, yeah, we're we're on the uh, on the eve of the season kicking off. So, I'm sure, I've got a bit bit on my plate this year, but should be a bit of fun, mate. Very fortunate. Yeah, definitely. Can I ask as well, mate? I think because a lot of listeners would love to know about the transition because you, you've been a vice captain for a few years, haven't you? I have, yeah. Beforehand, yeah. So, what as far as stepping into a captaincy role? I mean in AFL. Uh, what What's that transition like coming from vice captain to running the, the duties of now just being a sole captain of the team? Like, What sort of pressures does that bring and what sort of responsibilities does that bring for you? Well, I guess as, as vice captain, probably two or three years ago, I made my sole intention as vice captain to make Bunga's role, who, who was captain, I tried to make his role as easy as I could for him. So if there was any things around the club that you know a senior guy or a, a leader needed to take care of, I tried to make sure that I'd put my hand up to do it to save him the trouble and one less thing that he has to worry about because there's there's a lot of mandatory things that you have to do as captain. So he already had a lot on his plate. So you know, my sole focus as vice captain was try and make his job as easy as possible. And I really enjoyed that. And even last year, he was doing a great job and 
I was vice captain. I was 29, and I'll probably come around to the fact that I, you know, I'll, I'll never captain the club. He's going to do it till he's ready to retire, and and by that stage, in probably two or three years' time, there's someone under us, a bit younger, that's that's ready to take the reins. And but anyway, yeah, out of nowhere, he was he was ready to hand the job over, and he's still going to play. He's, he's still playing really good footy, and he'll, he'll continue to play. But I guess he just wanted to step away from the role. So um, yeah, there's a few things throughout the year that captains of the club each club have to do but yeah you probably got a little bit more to do behind the scenes you probably get consulted on all the issues on and off field and I guess just making more of an effort and and taking a bit more responsibility in getting to know how guys are going away from footy what guys are trying to work on where they need to improve and that sort of thing and and keeping an eye on that and helping them do it I guess there is a lot of responsibilities obviously outside of just uh preparing yourself obviously for your own game getting into your training and ensuring yeah. that you're fit, and then obviously also worrying and making sure that your team is in the best possible state of mind too, as well as performance going into games as well. Yeah, I think two things I'm lucky with is one that you know, I'm 30 in June, so there's a lot of guys who get given captaincy at a really young age, and I guess I've seen guys get given captaincy at 22, 23, and it worked out really well for some guys. Like You, you look at Joel Selwood from Geelong, I think he took over captaincy at 22 or 23 and has been one of the best to ever do it but then there's guys that have done it and it's it's just killed their career they haven't been able to cope with the responsibility and at that age I guess you're still trying to find your way in the footy world and figure out how to play well every week and um, so for me to, to take over at 30 all the stuff that you know I know what I need to do to play well every week so I don't need to worry about that stuff too much I still need to prepare and train well and, and make sure I'm, I'm always trying to improve but I guess at 30 that stuff sort of happens naturally for you so I do have the luxury of leaning on a few other guys around the footy club as well the other thing I'm really lucky with is we've got some really good leaders um, you know our two vice captains this year Josh Kennedy Jeremy McGovern both really good leaders and then guys under them so I've got plenty of guys to lean on and plenty of support around me in the playing group that if I need a handball pardon the pun if I need to handball a few issues to someone else to take care of then I guess I've got the luxury of doing that so I think yeah and and that that sort of reiterates a lot of what we're trying to achieve with the show it ain't weak to speak you know it's not just about speaking up about challenges and you know mental health challenges so to speak I think a lot of the mantra around living and what this show is based on is speaking up about anything you know having the confidence to reach out and ask someone for support or reach out and ask someone for help if you if you need a little bit of advice and things like that. Man, I was actually thinking about the motto this morning and I was thinking how lucky am I to work in an environment where there's 43 other teammates, I've got probably 10 coaches and then like so much staff, both footy related and behind the scenes that I see every day. So I've got no option but to continually be in communication with with other people, you know what I mean? So every day you're talking about how you're feeling, how your footy's going, you're doing that with multiple people and, you know, no one's immune to mental battles, but the environment I'm in certainly helps me stay away from that sort of stuff, I think. Do you see that now as being a captain, something that you definitely want to continue for the club in terms of making sure it's a very open-minded, you know, everyone communicates with one another extremely well. So it feels like a safe environment where even if you've got new people coming to the club, it's almost like these guys feel like they're part of the team really quickly. Yeah, 100%. And we've been lucky enough, I suppose, for five or six years now where we've had a playing group that we've been really tight. We've got a really good relationship with all our coaches. I think some footy clubs... Maybe the playing group and the coaching group are a bit divided. You know, the players play, the coaches coach, and there's not much more interaction than that. Whereas I think we're really fortunate that we all really get along get along that well, that, you know, every day you're actually talking to someone about how things are in your life. And people are taking genuine interest. You know, it's not it's not forced. Because you know when it's forced. If you're talking to someone and they're, they're just asking you questions for the sake of it, you know, you know what's going on. So, yeah, we've got a group that really cares about each other, which is good. And I think there's something like, 17 kids at the footy club now like there's 13 or 14 dads so there's so many guys with so much in common that you can't help but be continually in communication with other people which is um you know in in our lifestyle as well like that we're lucky in that regard but also i think footballers and people in the public eye are also really vulnerable to you know depression and and mental battles and things like that you know we've seen plenty of footballers come out over the years and uh, be brave enough to speak up about the things that they're going through. And some of them have been the best players in the competition at times. So that's really scary. But, um, you know, I see it 
I see myself as really fortunate that there's so many people that I get to talk to every day and just do what I love with, with so many of my mates. Yeah, that's amazing, man. It makes your life a lot happier and a lot more fulfilled that way, I guess, and a lot more purpose-driven as well. But as a, as a captain, I know it's, it's very new, but, you know, I mean, you've been a vice-captain for a number of years before this. Do you feel that as a, as a captain, you'll be like almost like the person people do come to if they are struggling or if they have something personal maybe away from the game or is it more of you know that they might have their own you know designated coaches or health staff that might take an interest in that yeah i think um you're always open to it like i'm you know i'm obviously i'm there for anyone if if anyone needs needs a chat not just because i'm captain but you know i care about the guys i play footy with so i'm there if anyone needs it but as you said everyone's got their own safety net that they can go to and I'm sure I'm not the one for plenty of blokes. I'm sure there's um, other people that guys feel a lot more comfortable with, but we try to make sure as a footy club that there is someone for everyone if they need to. And we were one of the first clubs in the competition to actually source out a professional psychologist and psychiatrist to actually work with us a few days a week. So I've got no doubt that's that's making a difference. But yeah, we'd like to think there's there's at least one person for anyone at the footy club if, if someone needs to chat about anything really. And I want to ask you this as well. I mean, you're the recipient of the Norm Smith medal after a grand final win in 2018 uh, against, was it Collingwood? Collingwood, yeah. So, so, but let's rewind a few years. Weren't you in a losing grand final in 2015 or 16? Yeah, we lost, we lost one in 2015. What was that like, mate? Let's talk, we'll talk about the highs in a minute from the grand final, but what, what's it like going into a grand final I've got so many questions around the actual day in itself in terms of rituals. How do you manage your own stresses, your own anxieties, the pressure of life? And then what's it feel like losing? I suppose in 2015, I was still reasonably young. So from a personal point of view, I was really still pretty young in terms of football. I was 24 or 25 and it was so disappointing to lose. Like you get so close and you can't help but think in the lead up that week, even that day pre-game, you think in four or five hours, I could be a premiership player. And for football players, that's that's everything we've dreamed of since we could kick a footy as a kid, you know? Like, there's so many kids that want to play AFL football, but I don't think anyone's really got the balls to say, I want to play AFL football and win a premiership until they get to the AFL, you know? Like, as a kid, in my living room, I won 25 premierships, man. I used to kick my um, little <laughs> ma- I used to kick my little yeah, ma- footy around and uh, pretend to win a grand final, and you know, I watched teams growing up. And footy was—I lived and breathed footy, man. It was everything to me. So watching Brisbane winning 01, 02, and three, and then West Coast winning 06, you just see all your idols doing what really the only reason they turn up to work every day. So you get so close to that, and you lose, and it was so disappointing. But part of me was. I think I was able to move on pretty quick because I was so optimistic that I'd get another chance. I don't know whether that was just good confidence, whether I was a bit naive or whether it was the right attitude, but I was just so optimistic that I wouldn't finish my career without winning one. And now that I've won one, I'm optimistic I'm going to win another one. But yeah, at the time, man, I was like, you know what, that really sucks, but I'm going to win one at some stage. So let's get to work. And um, yeah, three years later, lucky enough to play in a winning one and all that stuff I talked about about growing up winning it in your lounge room as a kid watching people do it it was so much better than all of that like it was it was unbelievable gave me goosebumps on my arms man yeah man like gives me goosebumps talking about it well you didn't only just win it mate you got the Norm Smith medal mate you didn't just win the grand final you got the best player on the field on the day talk to me about that mate mate I'd, I'd give that up for another premiership like in a heartbeat as anyone would but um I don't know, man. I'm really honoured to win it. There's been some unbelievable names to win it before me. I'm a little bit embarrassed to be alongside him in that category, to be honest. But, mate, you're a very humble man. Even since I've you know, I met you, I mean, you're probably one of the most humblest blokes I've ever met. Yeah, oh, look, it is cool, man. It's cool. And I guess when I finish my career, to be able to look back and um, be a premiership player, one, but to have won the Norm Smith, it's, it's cool. But, it, it, you know, that obviously wasn't the be-all and end-all. But, yeah, huge thrill. Game day morning, grand final day. What what do you do? Like what what can you just run me through some of some of the morning and how that that makeup works for you? Yeah, yeah, we've done a lot of stuff on uh, mindfulness over the years, and you know, being able to the morning of a grand final, being able to take all the nerves out of it. Obviously, it's going to hit you at some stage, and you've you've got to embrace it. But you don't want to spend the whole morning in your hotel room throwing up 
from nerves and sitting there chewing all your fingernails off. We've done a lot of work on what, what you can do individually to step away from it all. And then when you get to the ground, you, you switch on and think about the game when you need to. But, um, and I guess that comes with age as well. Like we were, I was 28 in 2018 playing the grand final. So I've been playing footy for 10 years and it doesn't make grand final day a walk in the park. But having been there in 2015 as well, you sort of knew what to expect. So I actually remember walking around with one of the other boys Jack Redden, we were both up pretty early. Yeah, I was, I was probably up at 6am, but we went for a walk at about 7, 7.30, round to the hotel around the corner where his wife was staying with their daughter. And I just remember walking there with him and, and I had a moment where I thought, this is, it just feels so normal. We hardly even talked about the game, talked about how he slept, talked about um, what he's going to do with Izzy, his daughter, for the morning. And my wife and son weren't over in Melbourne, actually, because he was only two weeks old. So... She was back in Perth with him, so she couldn't make it over, unfortunately. But So we were talking all things dad life, and it was just really normal. And um, I'd watched on for years. I'd watched on um, on grand final day and seen guys play and win. And I just think, geez, they must be so nervous, and it must be like, it must be so cool to win a Norm Smith. And then, like, I'm not being disrespectful to how, how cool it is, but it just didn't even compare to actually winning the game, you know what I mean? But, yeah, the day felt really normal, and now with a... 18 month old man like my game day rituals there is no ritual you know it's whatever he wants to do and um i got i reckon i got up at five this morning to change a nappy and then went back to bed i mean before him if i had been up before eight i'd be fizzing out about oh i've had enough sleep um i need to go back to bed for 45 minutes whereas now like anything goes mate yeah right so it's 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 changed your whole life obviously and the way you do life but i think it's a I'm not a father right now by any means, but it's a different chapter of your life, I guess, from a personal side. But that impacts, obviously, your professional side too. And as you just said, it changes the way the rituals are done now. It does, man. And um, people with the right mindset, like it can, it does nothing but good things for your footy, you know, like exactly what I'm talking about. Like pre having Oliver, if I had been up early on a, on a game day, I'd, I'd stress about that until the game. And now, like, anything goes you just whole life revolves around them and you talk about reality checks you come home from work you might have played a stinker on the weekend you come home shitty um angry at the world wondering what you need to do to get better and the minute you walk in the door you just forget about footy because you got this little human hanging off you wanting to play with you and they just demand all your attention and you realize footy is irrelevant in the biggest scheme of things like as long as you got to like i walk in the door and i'm just so grateful that he's he's healthy and i've got a beautiful wife who's healthy and that's so cliche to say man because like everyone says that but i'm sure you understand it's that's the most important thing is in life is happiness and health yeah mm, definitely man definitely it really is and and it puts like you just said perfectly luke i mean it puts things into perspective for you doesn't it it really does and mate on that note i mean you go to in certain games of your life you probably have gone in underprepared how do you manage feeling underprepared and maybe under stress and like, shit, I haven't done enough. Oh, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And like, how does that make you feel? How do you manage that as a, as a player and as a person? That's a cracking question because every footballer in the competition would have a different preparation for every game. So look, for me, my preparation starts the minute I finish a game, my prep for the next game starts. So I get to my game the next week. My prep for that game has been six or seven days in the making. So I find that I'm not really stressing out about bad night's sleep the night before or I might not have eaten as healthy as I could have on a Wednesday night when I went out for tea with my missus. I don't stress about that stuff because there's so much other stuff I've done in the seven days that have held me in good stead that the good outweighs the bad. And so I'm confident I go into a game where I'm in a position to perform. And yeah, I like to look at all the good stuff I've done throughout the week, maybe more so than oh, I had a sore back on this day or I was up early that day. I didn't sleep great on the Friday night. Yeah, I think a whole week of prep is more important than just um, what happens on game day. So you're saying, and, and for, for all of our listeners, I mean, for people who are maybe working towards a big project, a deadline or something great in their career, a breakthrough, what you're saying is that it probably doesn't all come down to the one big thing that you do. It's the it's all the little baby processes and systems that you've knocked off over the past six or seven days in your example or in your life that's helped you feel prepared enough for that game day. Yeah, mate, the games I've got to where I'm flustered and I feel as though I'm not in a position to play well were probably all in my earlier days where I probably didn't think about my prep throughout the week too much. Now I put such a big emphasis on 
what I need to do each day to get better and um, put myself in a position to perform that coming weekend that when I get there, the work's done, you know, and I can just go out and, and enjoy what I do because there's so many people around the country that would kill to be in our position. So I, I can actually embrace that on game day and realise how lucky we are and just have fun because footy can get real serious at times and a lot of people take it a bit too serious. But quite often I do this thing where I check in with 12-year-old Luke where I think about if I could go back and talk to myself at 12 years old and tell myself what position I'm in now, just how stoked I'd be. So every, everything's like a win from here on out. 100%. Still got to work hard, but... Yeah, he's still got to work hard. I'm sure the pressure's probably a little bit on more than having a vice-captaincy role versus having a captaincy role. Is it a little bit more pressure, do you feel, or not at all? I'm actually not feeling a lot of pressure, man, to be honest. I've filled in as captain on game day a couple of times over the last few years where Bung has been injured and I've had to um, you know, fill in as captain for the day. And I found I'd, I'd overthink it. I'd go into the game and think, oh, what can I do today that's just really inspirational for the team? And how, how can I be a really good captain? Where I was giving captaincy three or four months ago now and the whole novelty of it, you know, with all due respect to the position, the novelty of it's worn off now. So now I'm just worried about what you actually need to worry about as a captain and just going out and, and playing well. We had our first cracky game last week and I just didn't think about it through the game, to be honest, man. Like I thought about all the usual things you, you think about and that's, you know, what are we doing well as a team? How do we improve? Um, this isn't working for us. How do I, how do I play well? But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling a lot of pressure, to be honest, which is good. Well, that's good, mate. And so obviously, and everyone's very different. You obviously, you, you can handle it. You can, I guess, break it down. You're very well prepared. It sounds like preparation in your, in your life is the key to success. If we were to boil this down to, to a couple of things, what is something in your life that you feel has worked extremely well to get you to the place that you are at currently? And my next question after that would be, seeing amazing talented players play alongside you maybe in your earlier years but haven't gone on to make the AFL or to be as good as they possibly could have or should have been what has stopped them from getting to that place do you feel yeah I I think what stops a lot of guys is the commitment to doing whatever it takes so you know there's guys who have had so much talent over the years and might have played a little bit of AFL footy but probably haven't achieved what they could have and that might be due to a number of things but I think that the one common denominator that I've seen is just not willing to work their absolute backside off and yeah for me preparation is important and I think gratitude is important as well you've probably read the resilience project Hugh Van Collen but yeah, 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 yeah. so he, he talks about gratitude and how important that is and great man Hugh this is a shout out for Hugh <laughs> he's a ripper yeah I'd love to meet him one day um good man he's a great man so I was on his stuff a few years ago and we've been big on mindfulness at the footy club over the years. But, you know, gratitude is the one thing I've really leaned towards and finding times throughout your day, your week to just realise how lucky we are. And I find that actually helps my footy because I don't put as much pressure on myself going to the footy club because I'm in a position where I just want to rock up and enjoy it. I work hard and hopefully the rest takes care of itself. And then you get home and you're grateful for what you've got at home. And yeah, I've heard a lot of guys around the competition speak about the same thing as well. Yeah, right. So it's definitely helped as a a gratitude practice, so to speak. It's almost like a self-care strategy or a strategy to to really put yourself in a good mindset. Yeah, 100%. And like huge stories about the um, the kid he stayed with overseas um, who was living in a hut and had those shoes he'd cut the toe holes out of he was he reckons he was the happiest bloke he's ever met and so I, yeah that's a great lesson for everyone is we always want we always want more than what we've got we're always looking at um what our next big purchase is going to be or where can we um add on a second story on our house and how do we make our house bigger and all that sort of stuff we're always looking at what we don't have instead of what we've got right in front of us yeah in front of our right and it's very important to to have that and unfortunately you know lukey not everyone does have that foresight to to see what they do have in front of them you know they always do want to chase more and more and more and enough's never really enough you know and i was probably those one of those people um a few mm, years so ago was I, mate. You know, so like, was I. you either go through things in life that make you realize how lucky you are or you you hear stories and you listen to guys like yourself or Hugh talk and that's a wake up call in itself so yeah, I guess a few years ago, I was I was looking at you know what's next for me. How can I how can I better this? What more can I have? Whereas now it's just, I think the older you get, if you 
got the right attitude, life just gets simpler and simpler. On that, I mean, certain, I guess, things happen in life, whether it's personal, whether it's, you know, relational, whatever that looks like. For you, you lost your sister a few years ago. Yeah, 2009, lost my sister. I was, uh, I think I was three months into life in WA. So I'd moved here in, or at the end of 2008, and then February 2009, yeah, my, my sister was killed. She was hit by a motorbike in a sort of traffic accident. And maybe subconsciously that taught me gratitude in itself and to appreciate simple things in life. I guess at 18, you don't really think about that stuff, do you? Like, you got no idea what all that's about. But, you know, maybe deep down that's shaped my attitude towards a lot of things in life. What sort of impact, you know, did your sister's life have on this life of yours? Like, I mean, that would have been very hard, man, going to a brand new place because you're a Melbourne boy, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a Melbourne boy. Grew up in Melbourne. So mum and dad were still back there. What impact does it have? It's hard to say because you can't now go back and know what life would have been like without that happening. But I don't think it shaped my life or what I did too much. Like I, you know, obviously went back to Melbourne for a few months. I was actually injured at the time. So I wasn't, I wasn't training or anything. So I was able to go back to Melbourne for as long as I needed, spend time with family and friends. And then when I was ready to get back on the job, I jumped on a plane and and came back to Perth, I think six or seven weeks later. So spent a bit of time back in Melbourne with the family. And obviously you go through, uh, well, you know what it's like. You go through grief and um, sadness and all. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That sort of stuff, and you do what you need to do, and it was sad, and it definitely changes some aspects of your life, but I guess I was fortunate to come out the other side and and not battle any mental demons, so to speak, because I'm sure a lot of people can go two ways. Um, Yeah, they come out the other side and you're able to get on with life or it can really hinder some people. And, you know, I'm so fortunate that that wasn't me, but at the same time, it was still, you know, pretty tough to deal with. And obviously the impact that that would have had on your family too, like your, your mum and dad. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Well, having a kid myself now, like I, I think back to what mum and dad went through and like, yeah, to lose your kid, I mean, that's just, oh, it would be the worst thing ever. So um, whole new appreciation for what mum and dad went through. I think until you have a kid yourself, your whole life, there's a few exceptions. You're probably an exception. But I think before you have a kid, your whole life is all about you. You know, how do I set myself up for the long term? Um, how do I find an income? a good job, surround myself with good friends and then you have a kid of your own and your whole life just becomes about them. You stop thinking about yourself so much and 
I find myself comparing my life now to other people who've had kids and, and their positions. So, you know, I think back to when my sister died and I put myself in my mum and dad's shoes now that I've got a kid of my own and it, it just, yeah, it breaks your heart and what mum and dad would have had to go through. But I've got a great mum and dad. They've, they split up in 2001, and but mum's moved over to Perth. I told you that the other day. She's moved over a few years ago and dad's still in Melbourne. But I've uh, now I've grown up very loved by my parents, mate, which is good. Yeah, well, that, that's amazing. And that certainly helps. Are they big avid uh, AFL fans as well, I guess? <laughs> they are. They are. Mum was, was always my biggest fan growing up, junior footy. And dad was, I mean, my... My earliest memories are going down the local footy park after school on most days. It was only about a two-minute walk with Dad and we'd kick the footy until the sun goes down and then we'd walk home again and have dinner. And Yeah, they were the best memories. So Mum and Dad were great support for me growing up. I had a lot of travel involved. Um, I played under-18 footy, um, which is the competition you get drafted from out of Victoria. I played for a team who were based about an hour away, so two times a week, Mum or Dad or one of my best mates, dads, who was in the team with me, would, would drive us out there. And um, now, being an adult myself and working full-time, I, I appreciate just how hard that must have been on them. But, uh, yeah, mum and dad were great supports growing up and, and continue to be so. And that makes it so much easier. You don't realise all the work that they put in, especially when you're young, because it's you're almost like, this is about me, when really they're there to support you. And now... and you're in a perfect example. I mean, you've only got a, an 18 month old in Oliver, but you can see that there is a lot of work being a father or a mother. And there's a lot of work that goes into being a, being a parent. Oh yeah, mate, toughest job in the world. Um, but at the same time, the most rewarding and that's exactly, exactly what I was talking about before. Like you, before you have kids, you probably just, all you think about is yourself really. Um, if you've got a partner, a little bit of thought goes into them, but you know, before kids, you, you're always thinking about how can I um, how can I make my life as good as possible. And even at 18, you're classified as an adult, but I had no idea about anyone else's needs or, or worries at that age. Yeah, makes it a little bit easier then, doesn't it? You're in your little man cave in the den back at home in Perth, and I'm looking at a photo behind you, and is that Michael Jordan? That's the famous wings shot, mate, MJ. Who are your inspirations? My idols growing up were the guys who... Um, I could relate to so footy players but I'm a lover of all sports I love American sports NFL NBA love UFC never really got into soccer but love my cricket so you know I I think being in the position I'm in where I'm playing professional sport I've got a great appreciation for guys who do it on an even bigger scale you know the biggest sports around the world guys who dominate those competitions like they are unbelievable athletes well, mate, I mean, yeah, it's easy to say that, but you're, you're in a very good position with what you're doing, and I'm sure they'd say the same thing about the work that you guys do in AFL, you know? Man, it's funny hearing Americans talk about our game, and I don't know if you've um, spoken to anyone about it over there. You, you're from Sydney? You're more of a rugby man? Yeah, I'm from Sydney, mate. Definitely yeah. a little bit more of the rugby man. Hearing the Americans talk about AFL, they can't believe that we don't play with helmets and pads on. <laughs> And like, yeah. I hear it all the time out here, mate. Yeah. But then I watch NFL and like, even though they're wearing protection, they crack in, man. Like, and the, you know, it's sad. Like the concussion issues that a lot of those guys deal with post career is out of control. But yeah, it's funny when you, um, you hear Americans talk about our game. They just, they think we're the toughest blokes going around, but we're not. What sport would you have played if you didn't play AFL? I don't know if I would have made a professional living out of any other sport. I think test cricket would be would be cool to do. Like you get to travel the world. The, the hardest thing with test cricket is you'd miss a lot of family time. So that's like I, I go away every second week being from Perth. We travel every second week to play away and we're only away for two nights. I hate it. I, I miss my family so much. By that second night, the first night's good. You get a good sleep, a bit of your own time. And then by the second night, yeah, you're really missing the family. But how do you manage being on the road all the time? You know, I mean, it's only two days away, but it's still two days out of your routine. Does that does that muck up your routine? It becomes part of your routine, man. So we do the most kilometres out of any team. That flight from Perth to Melbourne or Sydney, I'd prefer to fly from Sydney to LA. Man, coming the other way, so east coast to west coast is so much worse. You, you add on an extra 45 minutes or an hour, and you try doing that after a loss or you've played a stinker, 
it's uh, it's a shocking flight, man. You spend the whole four hours thinking about the loss and um, how poor you played. And I've had a few of them, trust me. But um, the travel becomes part of your routine, man. You just get used to it. And you get to a stage where you actually enjoy getting away with the boys. And as I said before, you get your own time for a little bit. And then by the time you're over it, you're back home anyway, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So it's so two nights is enough. Um, but no, we embrace it, man. It, it can be it can be what you make it, you know. It can be a drag if you you suck about the travel and you don't want to be there. But we've got a really good group of lads that we're playing with at our club, and um, yeah, most of our trips are pretty fun. Do they fly your business when you're flying all the time, or is it just in economy? Yeah, so there's a bit of a criteria for business. It's, <laughs> I want to hear. Well, I've always think, wanted to know. <laughs> I think Captain always gets it. So, so height. So I think the the tallest guys they generally give business seats to and age. So it's a combination of height and age. So if, I don't know if you know Josh Kennedy, our full forward. No, I don't know. I don't know him personally, but I, I do know of him, of his name from the limited time I know. Yeah. So he, he'd be um, 6'4", 6'5", tall bloke and 31. So he, he's a lock for business, right? Then you got guys who are like 19, 20 who are at the same height, but they might actually miss out because there's a, 30-year-old who's only six foot, but because he's 30, he gets business. So it's sort of a combination of height and age, but I think Captain always gets You're kidding. That is insane. Over the years, I can't remember Bunga not getting business over the last five years. So That is probably one of the best um, perks as being a captain. The only reason uh, for, for the, job, the per- yeah for, for the Perth flight, mate. That is that is a that is a big big reward. It's a big win, mate. That that is a huge win, mate. I wanted to ask you though, on a more of a personal note, in your career, obviously you've been playing. It's almost twelve years. Is that correct? Or are you going on your twelfth year? Going into my twelfth year. Going into your twelfth year. How have you dealt with some of the lows? Like the like everyone has good times in life. Everyone has bad times. We all have like things that make us sad, make us great, make us everything in between. How have you dealt with the lows throughout the last 12 years? Yeah, it's funny, man. Like I, I look at my career and to have been a premiership player, I reckon over the last five years, we've played in finals every season. So, you know, on the surface, that looks like a really successful five years, but there've been some shit times. Like we've, we've had some times where we might've lost two or three in a row and, I guess it comes with being a good team in general. Like we're not used to losing too much. So when you do, you just want to bury your head in the sand um, and get away from it all. But my biggest advice to 18-year-olds when they get to the club is if you want a long career at the footy club, like you want to play at least 10 years on the list, there's going to be bad times. So find a way to build resilience. Find a get out from footy that when you are um, pushing shit uphill, you can actually go and do it and you don't think about footy. For me, like my, my attitude towards the tough times have always been um, the good that's going to come eventually. So I've always, I think I'm a bit naive because I've found that in the tough times, I've always just said to myself, it's all right. Like I might have played a bad game and I say to myself, it's okay, you, you'll dominate next week. Or like we, we might lose a few in a row and I might say to myself, it's okay, we've, we're still a chance to win the flag at the end of the year. So I guess the positive, the potential positives get me through. Um, and everyone's got their own way of dealing with things. But you're you're an awfully positive guy, mate, and and, and I, I admire that um, because I like to think that I'm pretty positive too. But mate, you're an awfully very positive guy, and I think that's it's a great quality to have around, especially teammates who might struggle. The good times in footy are always potentially there until you finish. So there's no use giving up on it or not thinking about it. You know, so when times get tough, you just got to think about what what you could potentially be going for. Like we we won the wooden spoon in 2010. So that's when you finish on the bottom of the ladder, right? We won five games for the year. And then 12 months later, we played off in a preliminary final, which is the game to get you through to a grand final. So I learned pretty early on in my career. That was my second year. I learned pretty early on that in in our game, things can change so quickly. Like, so what, I guess over the years after that, whenever tough times came about, I could always look back on that and go, well, you know what? This could change really quick. Don't drop your bottom lip. Just keep keep chugging on. It's a perfect example of having a growth mindset. I mean, when you're in a really shit time, though, you don't like. It depends on how bad and severe that that rabbit hole feels to each person individually. But sometimes it can feel like it doesn't end. And and whether it's sports, whether it's work, whether it's a relationship breakdown, whether it's something bigger or different. 
sometimes it doesn't feel like there is any light at the end of the tunnel. But I think it's very important to know that no matter how long something bad happens for or how bad it may seem right this present moment, that times definitely do always change and they do shift. And it's about holding on, isn't it? And about being patient and trying to see and change the perspectives in everything that you're looking at as best as you possibly can. Like the tough times, I can see why guys, you know, go through and get to a stage where they are genuinely going through mental illness or depression. I've been so fortunate not to have gone through any of that. But I appreciate that the pressures that come with our game and the scrutiny we come under and um, just the roller coaster of emotions, I can see how it, it grabs a hold of some guys, unfortunately. And I touched on it before, but some of the best players over the last couple of years have been brave enough and, and good enough for the wider community to speak up and talk about their, their battles. You can get pretty low in our game. And again, I'm so fortunate that I've been part of a team that's just won a lot of games over the years. And so we haven't had to go through losing games on end and people at the footy club losing their shit and you know people losing jobs. Mental health issues are the biggest issue in our game at the moment. There's plenty of guys that speak up, but as you know, there'd be plenty of guys who aren't saying a thing, unfortunately. Definitely, and there'd be a lot more people that aren't speaking up, unfortunately. Yeah, which sucks, man. Like People should be able to have someone they talk to, you know? It's just not fair. Absolutely, man. And I think it's, you've said it perfectly as a captain of West Coast Eagles. If someone opened up to you and said you know, they were struggling or if they weren't doing well, you, you, you certainly wouldn't sit there and judge them and say, well, what do you mean, harden the fuck up? Or why don't you just get over it and get along with it? You're playing for the West Coast Eagles. You've got a great life. They're some of the worst things that anyone would say to someone that might be struggling. So what, what are some things that you'd say to someone or what's some advice that you'd give to someone if they were struggling? And they said, Luke, can I have a chat to you? I need to pull you aside at training. Obviously, you've created a safe space for someone to open up to you, which is an amazing win straight up. But then you're listening, obviously. What, what's some advice you could probably give someone or what would you give someone if they said that they were struggling or if they're having a really hard time? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the time the signs aren't there, you know. A lot of the time there are. You know, you can tell if someone's not right. But for a lot of guys, they, they hide it really well. And I think when guys come to you and have things to um, – you know, guys will come to you with things to complain about. And that's that's the footy side of things where there's things that they're not happy with in the football world. And you can be as open and honest and as brutal as you want with them in that regard. But when it becomes personal – and when it's, when it's bogging their life down, like if, if they've got an issue with footy things and they're hating something about footy, but then they can leave the footy club and be the happiest person ever, then it's fine. You know what I mean? But it's when they leave the footy club and they can't turn that corner and they can't get home and get away from footy and cheer up. That's when I think that's when the issues start to creep in. So somehow being able to figure that out and find a way to speak to people and ask if, you know, when you get home, are you okay or are you still really bogged down and, and just wanting to bury your head in the sand because there'd be so many guys who get home and just can't switch off and just go through a whole whirlwind of emotions. It's just not healthy. And I think the mindfulness stuff over the last few years that we've put into practice is really important for that. Not only does it teach you to be grateful for what you have, but you, you find a way to be able to switch off and not worry too much about the external pressures that come with our game, which I think a lot of the time is the reason behind guys actually suffering mental issues very well said mate appreciate you sharing that it's very well said i don't want to go too much further into these types of areas but you know as a young as a young kid growing up playing sport like you were and you were avid to play afl and you had your sights set on achieving the top and working your way there not even thinking about a premiership but that was obviously the the pinnacle what would you say to someone right now if they're they're 16 17 18 or whoever might be listening that's working their asses off whether it's a, to be a professional athlete, whether it's to play AFL, soccer, rugby, whether it's for a job, what do you say to them if they're not making any progress or they feel like they're not they're not succeeding? What's some advice you'd probably say to someone that might be struggling with that bit of self doubt and you know lack of you know security and within themselves? I've always hated hearing people say just have fun because it's hard to have fun if you want to achieve certain things and you're not. You know, like the reality is if you want to. If you want to be the best player on the team and you want to get drafted to a um, to an AFL club and that's not happening, it's hard to just put that aside and have fun. You know, it's, it's so much easier said than done. And there's enough evidence now and enough stories over the years of guys who might not work out for them at 17, 18, 19, 
But we've seen so many guys come into the competition now that have 21, 22, 23, who have been picked up from local leagues around the, the country who I dare say they would have sworn 100% that their dream of playing AFL footy is over. They come in and are stars of the competition. Like we've, we've got to do this year, you, you probably don't know him, Tim Kelly. I reckon he got drafted at 23 to Geelong. So that's, so that's pretty late. 23 is pretty late. Late, man. Like, I reckon 90, 97%, 98% of the draft pool each year when we have our, the AFL draft are all 18-year-olds, maybe 19. So Tim Kelly, Indigenous bloke from WA, he was a good waffle player, got drafted to Geelong over in Melbourne, went over for two years and dominated like top five in the Brownlow last year, which is the league best and fairest. So it's like the Dal- M in rugby league. Yeah. For those of people yeah. who don't know. He's a jet man. And anyway, we got him back. He wanted to come home. He's got three kids and a fiance. So he wanted to come home and be around family. So we were lucky enough to get him to our club this year. And he's a great story. And then there's Marlon Pickett. I don't know if you've heard of Marlon Pickett last year. Also a mature age recruit to Richmond. Um, the AFL have brought in this new mid-season, is it mid-season draft? I think. And um, so they've, they've picked him up halfway through the year. And this is a, uh, a guy from WA as well. He'd been in prison before. He's got four or five kids. And he debuted. His first AFL game was grand final day last year. What? You're kidding. And he chopped up, man. Chopped up. Had 20, 20-something possessions. That snag. is insane. Yeah. I love that. Cult hero, man. Cult hero. Now that is amazing. I love man. to hear stories like that, man. They're amazing. I played with a guy, Matt Prittis, who didn't get drafted till he was 22. No, he got rookied. So he didn't even get put on the actual playing list. He was just one of our rookies and ended up playing 200 games, won a Brownlow. Man, yeah. And if you're, if you're a 17, 18-year-old kid and it's not happened for you, it's easy to look at these guys and think, yeah, but that's not me. You know, like, uh, of course, you're going to tell me that not to give up on my dreams and it's all cliched. But literally, man, like, there's, there's so much evidence to suggest that until you're 25, 26, like, it's, it's fair possibility you can still make it into the AFL or whatever you're doing. I hate when people just say, just have fun. And it's easy for me to say to kids because I've played 200 games of AFL and I've been lucky enough to win a premiership. So it's easy for me to say, just have fun because I've enjoyed my ride. Like I have fun every week because we're a good team. Um, We play well most weeks, but for, you know, for Joe Blow down the road, who's probably not the best 16 year old in his team, he wants to play AFL. If he's not enjoying what he's doing, it's, it's hard to, or if he's not looking like he's going to achieve what he wants to achieve, it's hard to have fun, isn't it? Like, you- mm, Absolutely, because you're putting so much pressure on yourself. Yeah, and you you want to be good. You want to be the best. You want to work you know, towards something great. And if, you, if you're just having fun, it's almost like you can't have one without the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Before we wrap up the show, mate, and, and again, I want to say thank you very much for, for coming on to the show. You're listening to It Ain't Week to Speak. Today, I'm joined by the great man himself, Luke Shuey, captain of the West Coast Eagles 2020. Mate, a couple of quick questions. How many seasons, how many how many more years do you have left on your contract? Because you've played it, you're going into 12. Going into 12. So on my contract, I have two or three more. So this year, until the end of 2022. So I'll That's be 32 amazing. by then. How good's um, that? That's yeah. unreal. Do they lock in for captaincy for you know when you nah. when you got giving? Oh, is it just for this year? They can't nah, guarantee so this you that. So okay. we vote, we vote every year. Um, we have a player vote every season. But yeah, now nah, fortunate enough to have three more years at least, and then hopefully, yeah, we'll see how the body's going and where the mind's at mentally. But yeah, I'd love to squeeze another one or two out after that. But can't be too greedy, Sammy. Yeah, no, no, mate, I know. What's the family think of this? They must be loving it. Oh, they love it. Yeah, my wife. Great support for me. Loves the footy. Great group of girls at the footy club, man. Like uh, the partners and the wives of the boys. Um, they're a really good group. And I always dreamed of being able to have my own kid around the footy club after a game, wearing his West Coast shirt with daddy on the back. So to be able to do that now and um, hopefully a few more kids over the next few years, that's the best thing, man. So cool. I love that you're, you're living out your dreams, man. And these things all happen for a reason. So I'm very grateful. What's your definition of it ain't weak to speak? Anyone that passes judgment on people who want to speak up about mental health or any issues don't deserve to have a voice, really. Like, everyone should have a safe place, man. You heard that, guys. You heard that very, very clearly. Lukey, mate, thanks very much for sharing that with us. 
Uh, where can people find you after the show? I'm on the gram, heavily flooded by photos of my son and wife. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, we've obviously been lucky enough to um, play footy for West Coast, so um, always floating around the club. Open training sessions. If you're a fo- football fan, get down and watch us. But, yeah, always here, man. Awesome, mate. Awesome. Well, on behalf of myself and everybody at Livin' and all of our listeners, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to to dial in and have a chat with me and, and have a chat with all of us and share a little bit about your life and you know where to now. But, mate, I definitely wish you all the best for 2020. I know you will do an amazing job as captain, no doubt about that. Hopefully get another premiership under your belt, mate. Imagine how good that would be as a captain. That would be unreal, man. I'll be lucky enough to be in the position as captain, but to win another one would be unreal. So we'll see how we go. But thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for getting in touch. It's good to speak to you again. Likewise, man. Thank you. Look after yourself. Look after your family. Have fun. I do I do very much appreciate your time, mate. I really do. Thanks for being so open to, to coming on here and, and sharing your wisdoms with us and much love for the next 12 months and all the best on the field, mate. My pleasure, brother. Good to speak to you. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at livin.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well keep living and remember it ain't weak to speak thank you and have a top day hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.